Welcome to Unapologetically Abundant Podcast. I'm your host, Petya Kolibová, that love coach who helps corporate women who have been pushed down and back due to traumatic relationship or childhood trauma in their past, which has caused them to see themselves not in a bright light that makes them people please and not show up the way they know they are capable of showing up. My mission is to help women who are on the path to heal from their past wounds, move through their limiting beliefs and internal blocks so they can guide other women through online coaching, which is that deep down what they are feeling they really want to do instead of sitting in their corporate job. Each week I will be offering an interview or an idea that will support you to leave behind what isn't serving you anymore and create a life filled with freedom, abundance, and purpose. No more hiding, no more waiting. The time to take care of yourself, to uplevel your life is now. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unapologetically Abandoned Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Julie Parker, who is, I would say, visiting us, but we are both online, but she's right now in a beautiful and sunny Melbourne in Australia. And for those of you that are listening to my podcast on a continuous basis, you know that I have one magical question for every of my beautiful guests right in the beginning to get them really connected and deep. So Julie, are you open to play with me a little bit? Yes, please. Let's play. <laughs> I love it. I love that I'm attracting women and people who are so open and having fun and playfulness in their lives. So for those of you who are watching us on YouTube, you can see such a beautiful paintings and images behind Julia, and she has such a beautiful color too. So if you can please just take a deep breath and close your eyes for a little bit and just relax. And now imagine that you're enjoying a beautiful sunny day and you're going to the park and you're passing through and in these times there flowers blooming and birds singing and as you're walking you see a beautiful bench like beautiful wooden it looks like a handmade bench and you sit on it and right in front of you there is a lady who is painting a beautiful picture and you just can't stop and you're so curious you walk up to her and you ask her what are you painting and she said, I'm painting who you really are. What would you like me to paint? What would you like this lady to paint if she would portray, if she would paint who you really are? What would be on this canvas? Hmm. What a beautiful reflection and visualization and question. The first thing that comes to mind for me, Petra, is that I would want her to paint what I see as my heart. So not actually really what I look like, because I think we're, we're living in a world at the moment where we can take a photograph of ourselves or someone can sketch us and what we actually physically appear to other people at any, at all the time, you know, we're constantly taking the selfies or photographs now. It's a very, very common thing. 
But what I would really want her to paint for me is the energetics of my heart. And so I would love and probably explain to her that I would hope that that would be what she would feel would be the colours and symbols of generosity, service, uh, connection, community, giving, uh, sharing, love. And whatever it is that those things meant to her and how she felt they would come out on the canvas, that's what I would love to see as a representation of me. That it's so beautiful. And like you said, like it's so easy to look at others and describe what we see, but that is not going to stay with people. What will really stay with people is how we make people feel. So if you can make people in your presence to feel the generosity and the connection and the community, that's so beautiful. And I think that we all would love to be described that way because how we look, fortunately or unfortunately, it can be changed in a day or in a week or in a month. It can always change. But who we are being, fortunately, can be shifted from moment to moment. Absolutely. Without question. There's no doubt about that. You know, how we uh, exist in the world from the inside out, rather than just what is seen on the outside is what is truly lasting. And we can carry the same joy and energy and feeling from within um, from when we're five to 55 to 105. You know, that, that doesn't need to change. You know, I think all of us at some point in time in our lives have probably either known or even been blessed to be loved by um, an elderly person who has been very childlike yeah. and very whimsical, right? Yeah, see many little old ladies can be like that. And that's because they're carrying the energy of their inner child with them throughout their entire life. And that's a beautiful thing and it means that in many circumstances, we never actually age if we uh, choose to. Energetically, we never age. Um, but of course, we have to make that choice. It's about how we want to show up in the world. Mm, that's so beautiful. And, and, and I love that because the age is truly just a number. I always think about, and, and I'm sure that you're familiar with Louise Hay. Yes. And she started her life when she was 55. And when she was in her 90s, before she passed, she said the last decade was the best decade of her life. And it gives me so much hope because when I looked at her, I saw so much love and peace and hope. And you look at that one person and how many millions of lives she have shifted and changed and I know she was also teaching about the, the inner child. So I wonder how can people connect with their inner child if they have been disconnected, if they have been in this world of rushing and doing and achieving and playing and having fun just didn't seem an option for them. Hmm. Well, I think this is something that is different for everybody. I don't believe that there is one true answer that is going to resonate with everyone. But I think if we want to reconnect in with our inner child, probably the first thing that is important for us to do is actually recognise that we're disconnected from it. Because we might not even necessarily know that that is actually the case. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the ways that we know that we're disconnected from our inner child is when we're overworking, 
we're highly stressed, uh, we're overwhelmed and anxious all the time, we feel very burdened. Uh, I think perfectionism has an enormous part to play in being disconnected from our inner child and feeling, in other words, the weight of the world on our shoulders uh, around being an adult in the world. And let's face it, there are lots of serious things that we do need to deal and important things that we need to deal with as an adult. But connecting back into our inner child can actually help us to do that. And really, it's not as hard at least on the surface, it's not as hard as we might think it is. And connecting back with our inner child is all about seeking out and paying attention to things that we find joyful, fun, playful, uplifting, that make us laugh, that make us feel free, that make us feel even um, a little bit wild in spirit, you know, because children in many ways are wild often and that's exactly how they should be you know we don't want them to be worried and overburdened about things we want them to feel free and wild but us feeling free and wild as adults is important at different times too and i think that you know when life gets too serious and too burdened for us it's a sign that we're being called to connect back into those things and help them to release the, the need to be perfect, the need to be working all the time, the, the, the deep um, reliance that many of us have on overworking or overstimulating ourselves um, in ways that we don't necessarily find light us up. And so when we do that, it can really change our life. It can seem so odd in many ways, Petra, to say that. It's just like, how can play and fun be so important? But it is, it really is. It really is, and it helps us connect with ourselves and disconnect from all the shoulds and have to that we think. Yes. Who said that adulting has to be hard, right? And I really love that you tap on the on the perfectionism, you know, like when people are stopping themselves with trying to do all the things perfect, what would you say that are some ways, like, why do you think that people are trying in the first place to do things perfect? Well, this is a really good question. <laughs> and it's a really big question. And I think that it, it's very, very multi-layered. The first thing is, is that we're living in a world where particularly if you identify as being a woman, perfectionism is something that the systems of the world through patriarchy um, in particular teach us that we must be from a very early age. Um, you know, we're sent messages that we need to have the perfect body the perfect marriage, we need to be the perfect mother, um, we need to have the perfect balance in our life between being a mother and being a wife and being a business owner or a career woman. And it is a completely impossible standard to live up to. Mm. It's designed to keep us on a treadmill and constantly searching for more 
instead of finding ways within ourselves to truly believe that we are enough as we are. And the result of that, Petra, is also linked to capitalism as well. Because the more that we think that we're not good enough, the more we buy things. The more we buy wrinkle creeps, the more we buy liposuction, the more we buy expensive clothes to make ourselves feel better, the more we buy things that we do not necessarily need or use, all in an attempt to be better or another version of perfect. This then connects into competition, especially with other women. It impacts our relationships with others. It impacts ourselves, And so this is not something, I think this is very, very important for women to know, is that if you really have a strong streak of perfectionism, I want to send the message to you, this is not your fault. We are living in a world where we are designed to take on board that message to be perfect constantly. It's everywhere. It is, however, your responsibility. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to address it because you're the only person who can. Um, but I think that learning that it's not your fault and that we're all in this system helps with that to begin with because we can then understand, okay, I'm not broken, I'm not bad, there is nothing actually wrong with me and we're all in this together. And I believe that collectively when women wake up to this and they make the decision, no, let's stop the striving, let's stop the unrealistic ideals, let's stop pursuing perfectionism in everything that we do and thinking that we fall short every time we don't meet it. And guess what? We never meet it. It's only when we're collectively going to realise that and we support each other to dismantle it that we'll actually make some inroads to doing it. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. And like you said, there are so many layers to it. And what I hear it's Yes, it might not be your fault the way you were taught and shown. However, it is your responsibility to have that awareness, to recognize it and ask yourself, what now? Like, what, right. what can I do now? Up until now, I was trying to do everything for everyone and doing it perfectly. And it made me feel miserable because I mm. never met a perfectionist who is really happy and fulfilled. If you know <laughs> me, please send them to yeah. me. No, because that's, they're completely, um, that's exactly the way that they're meant to be. And who wants to be like that? Because here's the thing, if you are happy and content, you're not pursuing perfectionism. And so if you're pursuing perfectionism, it runs hand in hand with being discontent all the time. Yes. Yes. And I wonder, because me, for example, I love learning. I love growing. I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, and I love exploring new things. So what is the difference between wanting to become better and striving for more because would we feel that we are, it's not enough? Where is this, mm. you know, like, where is the difference? Like, how do you know? I believe that you know because of you connecting in with your truth and your soul voice around what is motivating you. Mm. 
Mm. Because let's, let's get something clear. There is nothing inherently wrong with wanting to improve ourselves as a human being. There's nothing wrong with wanting to learn more. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have better relationships. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be kinder or more educated or more aware or any of those things. Absolutely not. But that's a very, very different thing to striving to be perfect or doing those things out of some kind of sense of obligation or thinking that we're not good enough. And the only way that we're going to really know about the difference between those two for ourselves is tapping into our intuition and soul voice and really asking ourselves, why is it that I am doing this? Am I doing this because I feel pressured from my mother? Am I doing this because I think if I don't, I'm going to get left behind? Am I doing this because I feel as if I don't do it, I'm never going to be good enough or seen as good enough in the eyes of everybody else? If that's why you're doing something, you're being led by perfectionism and you're being led by a sense, a lack of sense of self. Hmm. If, however, you tap into yourself and ask yourself why you're doing something and feelings and thoughts and emotions pop up around excitement or even a little bit of fear mixed with excitement, genuineness, a desire, a calling, a pull, then you know that you're doing it for reasons that are in fact, you know, part of your mission, part of your life going to actually light you up. You know, and I talk about this with people all the time that, you know, are thinking about undertaking our life coaching course at the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. You know, when we chat to them, one of the questions, if they're unsure about it, is I often ask them about this. It's like, what's calling you? What's guiding you? Or are you thinking that you need to do this because you're afraid that if you don't, no one will take you seriously? Because there's a big difference between the two. Uh, and, and it's an important one for us to ask ourselves, particularly when we're making huge decisions about our lives and we might be at a crossroads of some kind. Um, very, very helpful to tap in and ask ourselves those things to find the difference between the two. That's so beautiful and so helpful to really check in with ourselves. And Julia, I, I wonder, you know, because when we... I, like, I know that when I connect with my intuition, I know now in my body the difference. What is my intuition? What is my soul? And what is like this ego, like trying to keep me small and safe and in one place? But what about the women who are just starting to again trying to listen to their intuition because they were shutting it off for so long? How do you know when you like sit with yourself and you want to get these answers and you ask like, what is guiding me and nothing is coming up for you? How can you create the sense of connection with your soul again? Well, something will always come up. Mm -hmm. That's an important thing to know. It might not necessarily be what you want to hear, <laughs> but something will always come up because our mind is never ever completely black mm -hmm. yep. right unless for some sort of medical reason which is a whole other story altogether um we're in a state where our brain waves are not working because they're even working when we're sleeping at night which is why we dream yeah. um 
so there will always be something come forth. But here's what I think is very important for those people, those women in particular, that maybe don't think they have a very good connection to their intuition or are desiring to get that back. Because we all have intuition. How strong it is, though, is dependent upon how committed we are to developing a relationship with it. Okay? And so I believe that our intuition absolutely gets stronger if we commit to it like a relationship. Wow. But we cannot expect our, our intuition to work well for us if, like in any relationship in life, we are ignoring it, we are pushing it away, we don't believe it and we don't trust it. Mm. And therefore, we don't spend time with it. Okay, and so therefore, until we begin to do those things and we start to make time in our life to sit quietly, don't even necessarily have to force ourselves to meditate in any way, but even just to sit quietly, to have quiet time and moments with ourselves, to tap into our heart, to create space for ourselves. Until we begin to do those things on a regular basis, even five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, we cannot expect to hear the voice of our soul and voice of our intuition. But here's the good news. As soon as we start to commit to doing that on a regular and ongoing basis, as a loving form of relationship with ourselves, our intuition gets stronger. Our soul voice gets stronger. And we will begin, you will begin to hear things that will be so guiding and so loving for you. Even if you don't necessarily understand them, they'll begin to come into your frame with not necessarily uh, an enormous amount of time, but it will start to happen. But you have to build that relationship. You have to commit to it first, otherwise it won't happen. That's so powerful. And I love that you are saying it because I personally never thought about it as a relationship. However, I applied this with my relationship with money. For many, many right. years, I was living in scarcity and I was thinking that there is never enough. And like you said, I, it wasn't my fault the way I was raised and what I believed, but I really took the responsibility for what I have created with what I've got. And I really didn't like it. And I realized I was treating money as a booty call, not as a loving relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I started to treat money as I want to be treated in a relationship, money came to me in like in such a beautiful and unexpected and expected ways and stay with me because it felt loved. It felt respected. It felt treasured. I have a weekly dates with the money. So <laughs> I love that. I really do. It's weekly like, dates. Because that's the thing, like anything you want to cultivate in your life, like you said, you get to give it your full attention and commitment. And it doesn't have to be like every single day. Sometimes even when you're in relationship, when you're dating someone, it's not every single day thing, like every single day date, every single day night, you know, it's, mm -hmm. but you are committed and you're there full with your heart. And yes. I feel that if we can create a ritual, that intuition will feel heard and seen and respected, it will come back to us and it will want to stay and it will like, oh, okay, now you're exactly. listening. 
That's so beautiful. Thank you. It, it, you are welcome. Like, wow. <laughs> I love this. Like, you know, it's, that's why I love being surrounded with such an inspiring woman like you, yourself, because it doesn't matter what we are doing. There is always space for growth and different things that we can hear in different aspects. It's like, oh, wow. It's such a spark of new ideas and flow. And I truly loved it. And before we started recording, I share with you how I found you. And I so love online worlds because normally there is no way I would find you here in Las Vegas, right? That's true. When I was creating my vision board and manifesting, you know, we were asking what is that I would love to be a part of? What is the magazine that I would love to be on a front magazine? And my boyfriend was asking me, do you want to be doing Forbes or success? Or what is it that you want? And I started to look online and I saw the cover of your magazine, Inspired Coach, that it's part of Beautiful You Academy. And I'm like, that's who I am. And without butchering anything and putting it out there, I created a front cover of being part of Inspired Coach, mm. like my manifestation of the future, because that's who I embody that I am. And I so love the mission and vision that you have. And I would love for you to share, how did this idea came up because I'm obsessed with, if it's just the marketing, it's brilliant, but I truly know it's more than just the marketing. Beautiful You Academy and Inspired Coach are such a words that resonate so deeply in my heart. And I'm not even part of your academy and I am there <laughs> like rooting for you. So can you please share with our audience, like how this that came along? Hmm. Well, I've been a coach for uh, 18 years. This is my 18th year of being a coach. And so I've been around in the online world for a very long time now. And I was blessed to have a very, very successful coaching business. And as the years ticked by with that, I started to have a lot of coaches contact me and say, Julie, you're getting speaking engagements. There's a six month waiting list to get in to see you. Um, what's your success? I want to coach with you. I want you to help me. You know, how can you support me to grow my business? And so I switched to business coaching coaches and I found that I absolutely loved doing that. It was really, really wonderful. And I enjoyed them as clients so much. But eventually it got to the point where I just could not see people one-on-one -on -one anymore. Um, it got too big. And so I started to have ideas around whether I might be able to start a training academy with the way that I had developed working with coaches over many, many years. And this is a very shortened version <laughs> of that story. I make it sound so simple and easy and it was not at all. But uh, six years ago, it will be about six and a half years ago now, I decided to bite the bullet and as they say, and I wrote the training program and I started a pilot course. And I wasn't sure whether anybody would really be really interested in it. Um, I thought I would take 12 people just to try and quell the stem of one-on-one -on -one clients. And I had more than 60 people apply to be part of that initial pilot course. I took 20 people. Um, that's six years ago now. We're just celebrating our sixth birthday this month. And then from there, things grew 
and we've sold out every single course since then. We run three courses a year and we've now trained more than 1,500 beautiful new life coaches from around the world. And I absolutely love it. I'm passionate about our training and just turning out the very, very best, most heart-centered, feeling-based coaches that we can. And along the way, Petra, one of the things that we decided to do was we wanted to be able to create a digital magazine that was going to be deeply serving of the coaching industry and our coaches as well. And that's how Inspired Coach Magazine came about. And um, yeah, it's morphed and changed over the years, uh, as many, many things do. And we're just so proud of it. And we know that it's deeply serving for people and something that they love and something that they really enjoy getting in their inbox quarterly. And uh, yeah, so we're just looking forward to continuing that and continuing to just really be a beautiful part of the coaching industry and creating and supporting coaches that are wanting to do wonderful work in the world. That's beautiful. I really love that mission. And I wonder what is different about your academy? You know, what is different about your program besides you're in it for 18 years that itself, it's a beautiful accomplishment because I feel like now more than ever, there's so many new coaches arising and some of them, they have certification. Some of them, they don't. I don't believe that you need a certification to be serving as long as you're helping, you know, with integrity and from your heart and helping with the obstacles that you overcame but what would be different about your academy Mm. you know people often ask me this question and in truth I find it a very difficult one to answer because we don't know what other life coach trainings are doing and so for me to actually be able to accurately answer that in a concrete way is I don't think possible truth be told I don't know what makes us separate or different or better uh, from anybody else. All I can speak to is what I know about us Mm -hmm. Um, because I would never want to be arrogant enough to make the assumption that there might not be other schools that are doing this. There are certain elements I think that probably are not because I've not been able to see them anywhere. But it would be, as I said just before, arrogant of me to assume that it didn't exist anywhere. And so all I can do is speak to the fact that we have a deep focus on training coaches to be very heart-centred and feeling-based. We don't want to turn out coaches that are happy with working with their clients around very simplistic or surface-based goals like find a hot husband or earn a million dollars or lose, you know, 25 pounds. We want to train and we do train our coaches to work with their clients to tap into their feelings and their heart around the sort of person that they want to become, the sort of life that they want to lead and the type of legacy that they believe that their existence on earth is calling them. And that's not found through losing weight or earning more money or finding a hot husband. It's found through tapping into the type of person that you truly want to be. 
Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody might not work on a relationship goal or a money goal or a health goal. Absolutely not. But I think one of the perfect examples to share with you, Petra, is that I think we've all known someone that has, for example, wanted to lose weight and then when they've lost weight, they haven't been happy. Been there, done that, of course. Right, there you go. External and exactly on the internal. So I really like. You're focusing on what it is that you think that that weight loss is going to bring you. What you think that that hot husband or the more money is going to bring you, instead of actually focusing on how do you want to feel when you have those things. What is actually the feeling that is driving you? And usually it's something like vibrancy and energy and connection and security and freedom and abundance. And so we train our coaches to set goals with their clients around things like that, mm-hmm. not the surface level things. And that's probably one of the things that I'm most proud of and think we do very well. And the other is our community. We have a global worldwide community that is incredibly loving and giving and supportive of one another. There's no competition. We're all here to uplift each other and believe that there are enough clients for us all. And there are. Yeah, I I love that. And I love your abundance mindset because there is so many people that connect with completely different personalities and type of people. So I I love your abundance mindset. And I wonder because... If, if the people that are seeing you right now, you're so in your peace and so grounded. I wonder what are some of your daily rituals that are non-negotiable for you that help you stay in your peace and groundedness? Mm. Well, do you know, the first thing that I'm going to say that I actually believe in my heart, and I know that this is not the same for everybody, that helps me with that is actually not having non-negotiables, right? Because if it's one thing that I've learned that actually does not work for me, it is very, very strict routine. If anyone attempts to box me in to some kind of strict routine, I just don't thrive very well with that. It just doesn't appeal to me. Mm. And so what... I'm much more likely to do is just to simply intuitively ask myself, what do I need today? Mm. What do I desire today? You know, is that more rest? Is it time um, in meditation? Is it exercise? Is it uh, play and fun? Um, all different sorts of things. Is it journaling? Is it writing? Is it using my Oracle cards? Is it praying at my altar? Is it, you know, which is just a beautiful selection of candles and cards and statues and all of those sorts of things. What, what is it that I need? And I just tap in and I just do that. So there is no real routine and that's what works for me. I know for other people, they love routine. 
They love it. And in particular, thrive with it. It's not me, but I deeply admire people for who it is. It's just not me. <laughs> no, I absolutely love that because I feel as you were describing it, it really resonated with me because when we are told you have to do this, it, it loses its freedom and fun and who we really are. It's free and creative beings. So my morning routine, it's non-negotiable for me just because I love that morning time to pour in myself, but then there are no strict, oh, I have to do this, five minutes of this, 10 minutes of this. No, I wake up in the morning and see how I feel and what is that I want to do. Do I want to read? Do I want to stretch? Do I want to meditate? I check in with myself, yet the morning space that it's me first. I get to do that because I try different ways and this is what really fills me up mm-hmm. and I feel centered and I feel good and it always changes what I do. But when I being in the morning, it's just, yeah. Yep, exactly. And I think that that is, you know, sometimes routines can be linked to perfectionism. And I think that's often one of the reasons why people can struggle with them is because we miss one day or we don't, we go on holidays or we get sick or something happens and we don't do it in the way that we might've wanted to do it or believed it should be done. And then suddenly we engage in this black and white thinking and we let it all go. And so if anyone recognizes that as a pattern for themselves, you might be much, much better off just simply asking yourself on an ongoing basis, what do I need and want today? What feels good to me? Mm. And that might actually serve you much better. Mm. I love that. It's, it's like these reflection questions just for yourself, what feels good today? I love that. Yeah. So what is the one last thing that it's on your heart for women out there who are still striving, who are still working on coming back to themselves? I think I would just like to share that you're worthy and that, you know, at the deepest heart-centered, most soul-fueled part of yourself is where you will find your greatest confidence your greatest connection, your greatest source of love and that you deserve to find that and that you're worthy. I also think I want to mention, because this has just popped into my head as well too, Petra, that not to make it out to be something that is desperately hard to find Mm. because you might actually be surprised that if you just give yourself a little space and time to connect in with your soul voice and intuition like we were talking about before, that in fact, your ability to be able to find that within yourself could be much, much closer than you think it is. Mm, That's so beautiful. And I love that reminder. And I love all the work that you're creating in the world, Julie. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all the goodness that you're creating in the world. And I'm super excited to release this episode. So even more women, they can reconnect with themselves. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on.